Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of MGR Unplugged. And um, as you can see today, we're actually on video for the first time, I think. Well, you can see if you're watching to our normal listeners, they wouldn't know this. But yes, we are uploading on YouTube now video versions of the podcast. It's nothing too exciting. It's just basically... This is, this is not deep fake. We're actually us. This is Manuel. This is David across the desk and this is the way we uh we've recorded for the last uh, 20 something 20 plus episodes in the past uh but for now we're gonna do um a video as well and um as i said before uh we'll hopefully we'll have a few lineup of guests in the future in addition to dave and i doing a normal banter about business and life and everything else but um yeah, I thought this was going to be a good addition. It's actually our little um, studio, so we just added the camera. We'll be uploading these episodes to YouTube and all the traditional video uh, channels in addition to Instagram and Facebook and all that. So, But it's very um, exciting. I was actually, um, today, I was supposed to be racing and driving in my car, which uh, you guys are probably familiar with, those who follow me on Instagram too. Um, I was supposed to be at the Circuit of the Americas uh, this weekend, and something happened, life happens, so I couldn't make the trip. So um, here I am, I my toy car instead of my real car, but uh, we'll get to that um, some other time, and I'll give you more um, insights of the world of racing. In fact, some of the guests that I plan to have next uh, year are actually uh, pretty interesting people in the uh, Porsche world and uh, automotive world in general. So. But now you get to spend your Thursday with me instead. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. But uh, it's good, David. It's good to be back. Life happens. You know, it's, uh, I'd rather be racing, like this bunker sticker says. But uh, I'm here with the podcast. It's fine. So anyways, uh, today I think um, it's, it's almost the end of the year as far as business goes. Uh, in, in fact, aside from the e-commerce and everything that we, we continue to work heavily for the last two, three weeks, um, <clears throat> Everything else seems to be slowing down as far as, as far as normal, regular course of business. People are planning their vacations, and obviously they want to say goodbye to the year and get ready for 2020, new decade, actually starting next year. So um, I'm looking forward to not this weekend, but the, the following weekend is Super Saturday, as they call it. That's basically the last Saturday for all selling. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But that's still before Christmas, right? Saturday the 21st. Okay. Yeah. That is typically the last day you can order anything online. It depends. Some people have to ship a little earlier. But basically, this next week is the end of our holiday season craziness. So I'm looking forward to uh, relaxing. The Christmas is on a Wednesday this year. So I know that it's means weird. Yeah, yeah. most people are going to be off Thursday, Friday, I'm going to assume. Yeah. Uh, oh, and some people are going to be off also before Christmas, the weekend yeah. before. So basically too. that whole week will be a uh, off week and I'm looking forward to it. We don't get uh, Thanksgiving weekend off like a lot of people do because we're know. working the whole weekend. But I know that's that's part of the game. That's what you sign up for. So did you did you sign up for? this? Yes. <laughs> when I signed my contract, it says the Thanksgiving Day included. That was probably the fine print, right? The one yeah. that I never find. The terms and conditions. I just scroll down forever and you check the box and yes. just me over this. And then it says, oh, you're going to be working on Thanksgiving. Well, it's just like, you know, and give thanks for it. NBA players. I love the NBA. And one of the best days of year for <laughs> basketball, true. Christmas Day, I mean, we they don't get about- Christmas off. We we're talking about that the other day, actually Thanksgiving when we were working and we said, you know, how many people actually work on Thanksgiving? We're oh, yeah, watching TV. You have parades, you have all these things. And, and there's a lot of people that actually... A lot of people like work on Thanksgiving because they get paid overtime. So yeah, that they too. You're in money. that kind of business. Yeah, you get paid overtime, double time, holiday. But uh, yeah, being a holiday 
it really it really there's a lot of people that work on holidays you know weekends whatever that's how the industry works i mean especially during the uh, entertainment uh industry that's okay work is good yeah it's fine it's fine i'm sure they take monday or tuesday off and we're all working too so so speaking of entertainment Yes. This week, we were going to do uh, kind of year. We're going to take a break from hardcore business marketing. Finally. We've done that the last few episodes. If you want to hear all about that, you can go back to the last few episodes. We're going to do a little uh, entertainment end of year recap. Entertainment weekly. I think there's a show that is called that. (laughs) So, we wanted to start off with movies. I was going to give my uh, top three movies of the year, and then you're going to give some of yours. Um, Go ahead. I think we both. Both have a few. I mean, this. I'm more of the uh, cinephile, but uh, what you went to school for film, but I feel yes. like these days I'm actually more of the cinephile than you are in terms of wanting to watch uh, smaller movies. Let's say. Okay. Um, my I was trying to think what was my best movie of the year, and there is a new movie that I have not seen yet with uh, Adam Sandler, and I'm not an Adam Sandler fan, but he actually is doing a dramatic role for the first time in. I don't know, a decade probably. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it looks pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I was having a hard time deciding between one, Quentin Tarantino's newest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Do you know the acronym for that one? <laughs> uh, o- U. Okay, forget it. Okay. <laughs> O-U-R-T-H. I saw it one day. Uh, I was reading something about that movie and... They all of a sudden they had the acronym. And it took me a while to figure out what the heck was that. And then I said, oh, they're just making the acronym for once yeah. upon a time in Hollywood. It's like, Jesus. It's like, so for me, it's between that and another movie, a, a Korean smaller movie uh, called Parasite, which. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I <laughs> thought was really, really good. Um, I went into it completely blind. I only went to see it because I saw. You, can go, you cannot go into a movie blind. Well. Okay. Uh, that will be a bad thing. Very good joke. Very yes, good. Yes, I had to jump in. No, um, I went into it without knowing anything about okay, it. That's different. And um, it's like you uh, do a concert. You say I was completely deaf, and it's like, why? You yeah, that, you don't say that when you go to a concert. That's right, true. Right. But um, no, it, I think if you haven't seen it, it's better to go in. That's why I don't really want to say much about it. It's better to go in not know anything because it's one of those movies where. I don't even want to say anything. Really, just it's very plot heavy. It's the type of movie that's very plot heavy. So anything you know about the plot is going to make it less enjoyable. So if you haven't seen it, is it still still in the in the theaters or is it off? It, it might, might be. be. I saw it like a month ago. It might okay. be. Um, any, it's, uh, any big stars on it? No, it's a Korean movie. It's by uh, uh-huh. Bong Joon Bong Soon Ho. I think is his name. I subtitles. Like yes, subtitles. Ouch. I'm not a big subtitles guy, but it was it was well worth it. Um, if you're a movie fan, go watch this movie. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was more of your typical uh, big Hollywood movie, big stars, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt. It's very good. Tarantino, I think, is, I think most would agree, is one of the great directors of our time. Another great movie. If I had to rank it, I was thinking about this before the podcast. Like, where would I rank it all-time Tarantino movie? Because he's had nine now. I I had a hard time because I still think Pulp Fiction. Yeah, is Pulp his Fiction best, is the one that, even that though obviously defined it's, uh, Tarantino. I still think it's his best, honestly. Um, I really like Inglorious Bastards, um, Django Unchained. A lot of people like that movie. I like it. I don't love Django Unchained. I don't think it's his best movie. Um, 
I don't know. I think this might be. I got. I like the uh, the uh, Kill Bills, the first one. I like the first one. I don't. The second really... one was a little bit of a stretch, but I I don't know. I mean, I like martial arts, and I saw just just seeing uh, Uma Thurman fighting and all that stuff was pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't really like. Um, or I'm sorry, I really like Reservoir Dogs, but that movie is really old and. For what it was being his first like major film, it's great, but I don't think that it co- is quite as good as like his newer movies. I think this might be his second best movie. Once well, upon a I time, mean, in Hollywood. once upon a time in Hollywood is good. I mean, I, I it's one of my top movies of the year, obviously. But um, I, I think it was a bit too long. And actually, I just I just heard that they're gonna come up with the uh, digital cut, whatever, which is even longer. So I'm kind of looking forward to see what is added to the movie from the theater release version. See, I think it. I don't know exactly. I what actually they did. didn't think it was too long. I thought it was about a perfect length. I actually thought it could be a little longer. I felt like they cut. Right. I felt like they cut some things that. There are a couple times in the movie. I think most people have probably seen it by now. It came out over the summer. Um, if you haven't, definitely go see it. But um, there's a couple parts in the movie that I thought. I kind of was like trying to put things together. I was like, wait, what exactly is going on here? And I felt like the, it felt like they might have cut some things due to length because uh-huh. it's already, I think it's, what is it? Two and a half hours or so? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, oh, under three, but still long. Yeah. So I think they cut some things. I don't know. We'll see in the, in the new cut if there's anything new, but I really want to rewatch it because I only saw it once and I wanted to kind of forget about it and come back to it. Yeah. Um, no, you've seen it. I mean, I've saw you twice in the theater, actually. And uh, on, on the second time, I can tell you, it has so much. For me, I mean, I actually um, lived in some of that era, you know, with, with the Steve McQueen's and the Bruce Lee's and all that. And uh, Like, okay, that's an example. The Steve McQueen. Yeah. He shows up for like one scene and then he's right. gone. I was a little confused. Why have a star actor like that for one scene? He doesn't even really say anything. And then he's just, who, what's his name? The guy who's in Billions played Steve McQueen. Um the guy who plays Axelrod in Billions. I forget his name. Anyways. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, Damien, uh, Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis, yeah. yeah. And uh, But, he, you know, I saw a big name actor like that. I thought he would have a bigger part. And he was there, what, for one Yeah, scene? I mean, I just tried to give you a quick um, glimpse of the era, of the Hollywood era, once upon a time there, with all the stars and how they gather. And it was obviously, this is oh, yeah. contrast with the way it is now, obviously, that now everybody's in social media and all stuff. The and most impressive part of the movie is how... Is how much the work recreate. must have gone into oh, yeah. all those cars, all the buildings, all just everything. The Hollywood vintage. and the LA of of, uh, of Hollywood, basically of of the uh, of that time. But yeah, I mean, I I saw the second time, like I said, and then um, the um, the second time I saw it, I actually, I was surprised at how much I missed the first time I saw it. And I mean, I was there. I think didn't we see it together the first time? I forgot. Who yeah, we went together uh, the first time. Yeah. And, that, uh, I, I've only seen it once. Uh, yeah, so I will. I'm gonna definitely rewatch it soon. Yeah, and then I, I will probably watch the uh, the uh, the new version, the released uh, digital version, or you know, streaming whatever comes on with the extra footage or something to see. But uh, no, it was definitely a good. I mean, it's it's one of the. Uh, I think it's my top movie for for the year too. Um and. Obviously, as far as acting, I mean, I think yeah, I Brad think, Pitt was really good. Yeah, in it. I mean, he definitely carried the movie, and uh, so I mean, I, I think the movie was uh, is definitely a, a contender and a top movie for me. My other movie, I mean, I, I think 
for me, the top between first that you had, like once upon a time in Hollywood, the other one would be. I actually had Parasite. I think. Oh, Parasite. As much as I liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Parasite was a more original movie. So I'm going to give it that slight edge. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a good movie, but it's not necessarily something I've never seen before. You know, Parasite is like nothing I've ever seen before. So I'm going to give it that edge. But they're both really, really good. I would watch them both again. My. 1B, if you were, I don't know if I have a 1 for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I definitely have um, Ford versus Ferrari as one of the top movies as well. Really? I, I, I mean, it's probably because, again, I, um, You're I'm a, a racer. car guy. I'm a racer, I'm a car guy, and I'm a Ford guy. I've been all my life. I really like that raced, era of cars. I, I raced a lot of the Mustangs and the Shelbys and all that myself. I'm very familiar with the story with Carol Shelby, with Le Mans, races in the 60s when when Ford went there. In fact, we have Bondurant School over here with Bob Bondurant, who was also involved with the program later on with the uh, Daytonas and all that. Even though I knew pretty much most of the story and actually I'm familiar with the tracks that I went to. They were filming at Willow Springs in California, a track that I've been many times racing and shooting and everything. It was it was a good movie. I mean, uh, the only thing of the movie that I didn't quite uh, that I would have done a little differently is that they spent all the time leading up to the race, to the first event or the first Le Mans race, where Ford went there to to beat Ferrari for the first time. But then Ford went there and won four times in a row, which is basically the last time an American car won in Le Mans. Right. But and I thought it was gonna be a little more of hey, we accomplished this, but it wasn't a one off. It's kinda of like in the championships when you say, okay, this is a one and done. No, no, no. We we went there and we actually won the first time it might be a surprise, but then we yeah. won the second time, the third time, the fourth time. But I disagree because uh Christian Bale, what's the real guy's name in the movie? The the racer? Oh Ken Miles, yeah. Ken Miles, he mm-hmm. dies. And Yeah, but they went with yeah, but Gurney they and, say it at the end, mm-hmm. at, the, at the end credit when it right. ends. They say they won the next four years, whatever. But the whole movie is about Ken Miles and Matt Damon's character, Shelby. Well, and so I thought I, that... Yes, I know. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, it is. I mean... It's Ford versus Ferrari. It's not Ken Miles' biography. I know, but it's kind of like... See, I disagree because it, it goes to that triumphant, okay, they won it, they beat Ferrari, and it's like, yes, they won more times, but that's... In the real world, yes, you want to like show that you want not a one and done. But really, in a narrative structure, I think it's better. Like, okay, we won it, and then it tragically ends with the guy dying, and that's the end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a movie. It's not like I get what you're saying from a racer standpoint. Like, oh no, they didn't just win one; they won four times. But from a narrative standpoint, I don't think the average moviegoer cares. I think that they just want to see a good movie, and that is really the climax. They win it. It's no different than like a. Yeah, okay. any sports movie where you win the championship at the end, you know, like okay, maybe they won more championships after that. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, obviously, the first one was a little bit of a of a surprise, you know, like Ferrari. You you even see Enzo Ferrari there on the uh, on the uh, balcony of the uh, uh, top, uh, like all proud of his team, and then he's basically all pissed off. I mean, the whole story of the movie is, is about the rivalry and how Ford showed up and then tried to basically just beat Ferrari, who pretty much owned Le Mans or up until then, you know. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was going to be a little more like I, I, I was I was at the movie. I didn't know anything. I mean, I know the story of the movie, but I didn't know anything about how it's going to end. And that the more the movie was progressing at the time was going by because it was also a long movie. I think it was two and a half hours or so. I didn't think that movie was too long. Yeah, yeah. I There's think so too. But I, that when I was looking at that, it's like, it's like, wow, we're already two hours into the movie. 
we're not even at Le Mans yet at the first event. I was like, how long is it going to be? If it's going to be know, the second, the third, the fourth. And then I, obviously I realized that they only did the first one, you know. Yeah, but they spent like what? The last half hour of the movie at Le Mans? What more do you what? need? I mean, yeah. were you going to show them going around the track five more times? I mean, no, like, like you know, saying, okay, Kemal's horse, the uh, controversial driver, whatever, Rebel, you know, kill himself in, a, in an accident in testing or something. And then they went with Gurney and then, because I mean, but anyways, that was just my opinion. But despite the, that, I mean, the I weirdest part of the movie has, yeah. to me was Lee Iacocca, the guy who played him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that fit very well. I forget the name of him. The, he's in the Wolf of Wall Street too. Yeah, the yeah. drug dealer in the Wolf of Wall Street with the beard, because um, he's he's uh, he plays Brad in the Wolf of Wall Street. I don't remember the actor's name, but he's like a very buff dude. He's a good actor. It's not that I don't think he's a good actor. I just thought he didn't quite fit Lee Iacocca. To me, I thought that was a little weird because I didn't. When I was watching the movie and he says, "Hi, I'm Lee Iacocca," I was like, I was like, kind of like, "Oh, that's Lee Iacocca." And if you're the average moviegoer who doesn't know who that is, it's fine. But yeah, as I someone mean, who he, knows he who was that the president is, president of Ford back then, and then obviously, as you know, he became the president of uh, Chrysler too. I mean, the CEO of Chrysler. So I mean, he was a very um, automotive. Um, business person you know, and i thought he was a little written <clears throat> subdued like in the movie he was not like uh like shelby was the main leader and lee iacocca was just kind of following his lead you know right because shelby was the designer i mean but I, in real life lee iacocca is a strong leader and i thought they didn't really play that up i mean just little details like that i get it. it's a movie so you always have to change things to mm-hmm. fit the narrative um, yeah but keep in mind that lee iacocca didn't have the experience in racing and that's where Shelby and Ken Miles did have. So Ford made all these beautiful cars, all the history where they were like family cars, sedans, this, that, but they had zero racing experience. And that's when they went to Italy and they went to the factory and they started seeing all those Ferrari racers and they were kind of like eye popped, like saying, wow, this is like a race factory. Because Ferrari builds race cars first. And then they say, okay, we're going to make a version for the street so people can race them. Ford never had that mentality. Ford is basically family cars and yeah. grocery getters, whatever it was doing, but uh, it was not making any sports cars or anything. It was just cars. Whereas Ferrari's mentality was like, we build race cars. We're here to race. And then everybody else is just buying a sports car, but forget about it. They will never make a car like a Ford with four doors or anything. There was no four-door Ferrari. There was no Ferrari with a big trunk or anything. It was just race cars. So that was the whole thing. And then when Ford came out with their own design, they, the first time they displayed the, the GT40 or the, the the original GT40, they were like, wow, this is... And then trying to fit the engine. And, and that was the whole, yeah. the whole dynamic. Okay. But, I mean, it was good. I mean, um, so that's... Uh, well, the, the other one that we have on our list um, that we just watched, what, two weeks ago is the, uh, the Netflix um, Irishman. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Martin yeah. Martin Scorsese. That's right. Um... <laughs> I, I really liked it, it. It was very good. It was long. It was long. I did not... There were... The... I'm going to go spoilers because I feel like most people have probably seen it by now. And if you haven't... Well, according s- to Netflix, like the first weekend, like 25 million yeah. people downloaded the I'm going to go spoilers. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's oh, a, it's stop a, watching. It's a long movie. Come <laughs> back. But... Um, the first act was very good. I definitely liked the first act. But then... The kind of, I guess, the second act when it's the whole, basically Jimmy Hoffa, who's yeah. played by Al Pacino and De Niro, and basically the mafia mm. or mob is telling uh, De Niro, "Hey, tell Jimmy to give it up." The the Teamsters, and it's like, 
okay, they have this same conversation five times. Hey, <laughs> Al, De Niro, the Al Pacino. Hey, you can't do this. They're, they're going to kill you. No, I'm going to do it. I started this. I'm going to do it. He goes back to the mob. Oh, he's, he won't listen to me. He won't listen to me. And then they say, hey, he'll listen to you. Go tell him. Okay, hey, Al Pacino. They have that conversation five times. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay. I can imagine when they were filming the movie. And, you know, I mean, it's like Martin Scorsese. It's like he forgets about movie standards or well because this is a made for standards. netflix movie yeah and it was only I in know. theaters for like two or three yeah, weeks it was, it was released in theaters for a little bit but it's one of those things where he says basically to the editor just put everything in netflix they, i don't even know they cut anything out of that movie if they come out with uh it's three and a half hours it's three and a half hours three and a half hours i mean that's i don't know i mean it's like a football game but it's a movie yeah and uh if if uh if you are editing a movie and then once you finish your final edit with the credits and everything, you say, okay, I'm going to give it a quick review. It's like, forget it. You need to go back, take a whole week break, and then come back fresh and watch the entire movie. Make sure every cut makes sense because it's hard. It's I think hard. it's pretty easy to cut a nice half hour off that movie. Yeah. And it would be a nice three-hour package. But the problem is because it's a Netflix movie, um, I think Netflix definitely was not going to tell Scorsese what to do. And they basically said, mm. here's a ton of money. Go make this. Yeah, and they have a good, a huge cast too. It was the biggest budget movie Netflix has ever done, I believe. Oh, well, it has to be. Um, so it was a good movie. It was good. Um, not Scorsese's best, definitely not. But obviously, listen, Scorsese is a great director. You can't expect every but, movie I mean, to be his best. The, the, the only thing I didn't like very much is the um, the effects with the um, aging, the aging, and all that. I mean, that was kind of. Why did they make De Niro's <clears throat> eyes blue? That was what threw me off because yeah. his eyes are not blue. Right, right. When you get older, your eye color doesn't change. That's what I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, I was like, it why almost did... looked like he was wearing this. You know, like like uh, it was like this, like the fake, fake contact, fake contact yeah. lens. You know, when they put to this... me, I thought, okay, if I thought everything looked good except the blue eyes, <clears throat> and I said, why did why are they? But doing not only that? that, I mean, like it, it wasn't it, it terrible. Just, it, it just kind of looked uh, to me. It was weird. Maybe it's because. I'm used to seeing De Niro. I actually saw, I mean, I don't know if you remember Raging Bull. Well, um, I mean, in Taxi Driver, he's super young. Yeah, I know, but and Raging Bull is the movie. I mean, I love that movie. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and he played Jake LaMotta, the, uh, the boxer. And in that movie, this is before there were heavy effects. I mean, that movie is, I don't know, like early like 80s or something. Which came out first, Taxi Driver? or No, Taxi Driver came out before Raging Bull. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taxi Driver so, is, I really like Taxi but Driver. But Raging Bull, in that movie, Robert De Niro gained and lost about 40, 50 pounds in this, just for the movie. I mean, they were like the, the, the fighter, Jake LaMora, out of shape. And you can see him like, you know, Burchester, like fluffy belly, all that stuff. And then you see fully trained when he's fighting. And, uh, and, you know, and obviously you see him with all the bumps and bruises and everything else, but that was a fantastic movie. And Robert De Niro had a kick-ass role there with, with his performance. You know, he was probably the first actor that started doing, like, this physical transformations just to fit the role. After that, a lot of actors, even Christian Bale has done a yeah. lot of stuff, but a lot of actors have gone through extraneous training, overweight, underweight, beefed up, not beefed up, you know, to play different stages of their career or their role throughout the movie. And and that's very challenging for the actor, obviously. But in this case, obviously, because he was even more challenging, like the aging and the aging all that, I mean, they, they started with the current, you know, old De Niro or... Um, uh, 
Joe Pesci and all those, and then they're going to go flashback, and then they make them look so young, and where they are actually no young, it's easier to make a, a young person old makeup-wise than to make an old person young. So I think that was in some cases a little bit of a throw-up for me. Like, like It was like, like wow, this kind of looks a little bit uh, weird, but, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, the movie, the story is good, and uh, I, I really enjoyed the movie. It was long, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. The truth is that the ending, again, spoiler, but the ending is kind of sad because it's basically everybody gets old and dies. And it was almost like a mirror of real life because, I mean, Scorsese's in his 70s. I think De Niro's in his 70s. Uh, basically, all the actors in the movie are getting very old. And it's like this might be actually the last big movie we ever see from these guys like together you yeah, know they're basically the older generation that they were the 80s stars 80s and 90s stars and now they're basically fading out and i hope i hope they have many more great no, movies they'll, they'll but more but that'll be worse for them but this type of movie where you get pacino and de niro and pesci all these guys together with scorsese directing i don't know if we're gonna see another movie like that yeah. and it was kind of sad at the end when they all get old and die and it was almost like a metaphor of like oh, this is the end of these guys' careers too, you know? It was kind of sad. But no, it was a good movie. If you're a movie fan, go watch it because, again, it might be the last time you see a great movie with all of these stars in it. Yeah. Um, the acting was very good. It wasn't the best performances out of all these guys, obviously, of their careers. Um, but they're still pretty yeah, good overall. I, I'll say, I mean, Al Pacino to me was not his best performance. He was too much of the same type of things that we've seen before. But uh, yeah, the Nero Pecci, I mean, those guys definitely uh, was great. So The best part of the movie to me, though, or parts, was that it was very gritty and real because basically when, when De Niro's like killing people, it's not like some big action scene. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. like a very brutal, like he walks up to a guy and shoots him in the Shot head. Shot in the head. Yeah. Or even when Al Pacino, like you build up to him killing Al Pacino for an hour in this movie. It takes an hour to build up it's to totally, it. Uh, and then it's literally, <clears throat> they go into a apartment, Pacino says, hey, let's get out of here. And then he shoots him in the back of the head. And it was done. That was it. That was the whole, You build up for an hour, but it was like, in a way, it's almost not satisfying, but I liked it because it was so gritty and real. Because that's how it is in real life. You know, you expect like some shootout, fancy action scene, driving car. No, it was like, walk in a room, shoot a dude in the head and walk out. And that's yeah. the end. Not only what, they shoot in the head like three, four times. Like, yeah, like it's like if, if one bullet is not enough, they go like boom, boom, and they also move the gun forward, like like giving a little more uh, speed to the bullet. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty funny. My 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 fourth movie, my, my little my <laughs> wild horse, um, that I know you did not see, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't see, because it's an animated movie, um, was Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, not the real life Spider Man. Mm -hmm. It was what was it called Spider Man? Whatever. The one where he goes to Italy. That was not that good. I didn't really like it that much. It was boring, honestly. Uh, I'm talking about the animated Spider-Man movie that came out in uh, July. Or, or no, 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 no. It came out in March or something, I think. Anyways, I would recommend people go see it because the animation in the movie is so good. I've never seen... It might be the best animated film I've ever seen. I mean, it is so good when I watched it. It's like watching a moving painting is the best way I can describe it. It's like, it's not like 3D, like computer generated animation. No, because I watched like, after I watched, I was like, how did they make this? They hand drew 
every single frame mm-hmm. in the movie, like old school right. animation. Um, the best, I think it might be the best anime movie I've ever seen. Maybe, yeah. Um, and the story it. was I've good seen too. Previous instincts, but not not the movie. It was really really good. Um, the the soundtrack was really good. The I don't know if you know that song. It was with uh, Sway Lee and Post Malone. I really like that song too. Uh, anyways. I would. That's my dark horse. I think a lot of people probably didn't see it because it was animated. It was really, really good. Yeah, the one movie that I I think is because we were traveling, but we missed the uh, opening uh, is Joker. Um, I didn't see Joker. I I, want I to wanted to see, see it, but one. then I heard a lot of people saying exactly what I thought it might be, which is it's basically Taxi Driver but with the Joker instead of De Niro. Bas- oh, really? Basically, okay. a guy who kind of goes crazy and is like a very isolated person and then just starts like killing people at the end which is basically what taxi driver is uh-huh. and i thought i was like hmm this movie seems like it's going to be taxi driver but with the joker and that and when i started seeing reviews people said yeah it's a good movie but it's taxi driver with the joker it's funny that and so i'll watch it but i haven't seen it yet <laughs> you can tell when you go to a theater and you see a sign and it says uh for kids like yeah that was stupid joker is not what you expect it's not the like joker outrage movie. over joker i thought was yeah, stupid. it's just yeah. a movie people get over it i know i know all right, so we're done with the uh, movies. Any, um, I don't even know. Usually for Christmas, they have the, oh, you see, Star Wars is coming up yeah, uh, next week, I'm not week, very I think. excited. Yeah, I don't know why I'm not either. They, they well, because the, the last previous. one sucked. Yeah, um, and the Han Solo movie, the in-between or whatever was not yeah, that good Yeah, that either. was really boring. All right. of the, <laughs> I don't sorry. know. Yeah. I'm a big Star Wars fan, but this, all of the, and I'm a Disney fan as far as their business side, but they've totally screwed it up. All the Disney movies are so boring. All the, the, what, episode seven? It was just a new hope again. I said that as soon as I watched it, I said, oh, really? They're blowing up a Death Star again? Fine, they played it safe. Then Rogue One, very boring. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo, I was super bored. Yeah, that was an The last movie, I wasn't bored, but I thought it was just not good. Right. Um, and now we have a new movie, and it's like, okay, I'm not that excited. I'll watch it. Yeah, I know. They, they reveal it. the trailer. They have the tickets for sale. It comes on the 20th, I think. Um, and they, this is what I don't understand. So J.J. Abrams is the first movie in the trilogy and the last movie, but they give the middle one to uh, Ryan, uh, what's his name? And uh, why? Why do you have a different person directing and writing the first and third and not the second? That's and even J.J. Abrams basically said he kind of had to pick up the pieces from what he did in the last movie because yeah, he yeah. killed the main villain in know. the second movie. <laughs> so let's uh, since you mentioned Disney, um, Disney Plus just uh, started to right didn't it already start yeah yeah it's already streaming which basically I do like the Mandalorian I have watched it um, it's good my only critique of it and I get what they're doing it's too much action for me I don't think you've seen it but for me. Too much action. I like the best parts of the show for me are when people are not shooting each other and it's just like mm. good storytelling. Uh, but they have to put in the action because it's Star Wars and you know they want to get a lot of people to watch it. I actually think they should cut back on the action, especially because I hate when movies have the one guy against 30 dudes in a shootout and he kills them all and he comes yeah, out yeah, unscathed. Yeah, yeah. It does that like every once an episode, there's a big battle <laughs> where he kills 15 you people. Just, you haven't seen, I don't think you've seen it, but. Uh, John Wick. Do you like those? Uh, I saw the first one. I have not seen okay, the other Okay, well, ones. that's the best one. If you see the third one, you're talking about one guy that kills... I don't even know how many people are killed in that movie by Keanu Reeves or John Wick. I mean, it's 
incredible. It's like a slugfest on that one. My only defense of John Wick is when you go to see a John Wick movie and you know exactly yeah, but, what you're but, getting. I mean, I'm a fan of the first one. The second one was a little bit there. The third one, I was like, good lord. I mean, I like action movies. I like fight movies, good fight scenes. That one was just like way too much. I feel like the problem with John Wick is that how many different ways are you going to figure out how to murder someone? I know. And you have to come with an original way. And the first one was really good because they had some very original like kill scenes. Yeah, and the, and the whole underground uh, you know, world of, yeah. of the, uh, uh, the story, basically. But uh, it's like a Jack Reach, but like... <laughs> <laughs> taken to the extreme yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it was so a, that's my critique of the mandalorian it's good but the action scenes are boring and predictable okay there's 20 guys and he kills them all and then we move on it's like it feels like they throw it in because they have to because it's a star wars so okay you have to have the war part but that's the most boring part of the show to me the best part is the actual storytelling and then obviously uh on the disney business side that we wanted to talk about right. uh baby yoda has been a oh, yeah. phenom. <laughs> and what I don't understand is that Disney had no merchandise plans for this. And they're the kings of merchandising their characters and products and everything. So I don't understand why they were like last minute frantic and they didn't have anything prepared. I guess they didn't think that it would be I, I don't know. As I big mean, of a phenom as it was. It's like a it's like a Christmas event so to speak with the movie coming out and the on the show all the characters on the show and everything else and then um they just uh didn't think about it because it's such a i mean cutie little stuffy i don't know animal person you know <laughs> alien alien yoda green thing but uh yeah that was a big missed uh um i don't know i don't know what they thought they were they're, thinking, they're doing it now but it was like they <laughs> They started making these t-shirts that were so ugly because they had no preparation. So what they did was they literally went to the show and just took like a frame from the show and were just printing it on the t-shirt. Wow. So it's just a, like, not like the character by itself with an outline. No, it was okay. literally like kinda if like I a, take a picture of the screen and put it on a shirt. Kind of like make your own t-shirt yeah, uh, online service. They online were using service. one of those companies <laughs> yeah, that they no. partnered with. And I was like, I really? Know. This is Upload what Disney's doing. And then the, <laughs> the biggest merchandise company in the world I just know. took a, a screenshot of the uh, the stream and puts it on a t-shirt. Well, good luck if you're trying to go to China now with the, all the... Uh, the uh, trade issues and the Chinese New Year coming up right after New Year's that all the factories basically disappear for like yeah, in two, February. three weeks. Yeah. But what so. I do want to say that I think is what I've been saying for a long time about Disney versus Netflix and other streaming channels that I think a lot of people just don't quite understand is they only look at the potential of a streaming channel off of the number of subscriptions because that's basically all of Netflix's revenue, all of any of these new HBO, whatever. They just make money from subscriptions. What Disney does better than everybody, and what they don't understand that Disney Plus will bring to them, is the subscription revenue will be a fraction, a small fraction of what the merchandise revenue will be. And mm. that's what I think people don't understand. Because unlike Netflix, for every dollar Disney makes from a subscription, they'll make four or five in merchandise. And that's why when they say, oh, Disney will soon be making 
whatever. I think they, the 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 goal was like five billion a year in revenue from subscriptions. I said if they're able to get to five billion in revenue from su subscriptions, that means they're doing twenty billion a year extra in merchandise and uh, parks, mm -hmm. t-shirts, toys, all of that. That's what Disney does so well, and that's what I've been saying. Netflix should do but they don't they barely do it they barely like why there is not a multi-billion dollar merchandise deal for Netflix with some toy company and some uh right. clothing company for stranger things I don't understand it's their biggest IP and they don't really monetize it and it drives me nuts I don't I they Netflix is very, 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 very smart. But I just don't think that they are maximizing their potential monetization. And people want it. People like merchandise for things that they watch. They have a connection to the Stranger Things characters in the show right. and the nostalgia. Why are they not flooding the world with Stranger Things merchandise? I don't know. But uh, as, as they get more competition now with the... Uh, yeah, with especially as Apple. things get tougher, Yeah, they need to have more revenue streams. I yeah. mean, they're not going to get any more subscribers in the U.S. So you, how do you, you get grow more U.S. subscribers when you increase the subscription price, which you cannot do both. I mean, they already increased... They're already uh, 13 a month. Yeah, they already are the competitive seven. price. And then especially when Disney comes with a lower price and Apple and all that stuff. So so they're funding a lot of competition now. So it's not just a matter of increasing subscriptions as far as the rate of the price. And then obviously they can get more subscribers when they expand. But uh, it's just... But uh, in the U.S. Not in the U.S. They're pretty much maxed out. So right. how do you grow your U.S. revenues you can't really raise the subscription price much more. Maybe you raise it another dollar a month. But how you see a doubling in the average no. user value by merchandising, which is what their biggest weakness has been. And I really, really think that's what their focus should be in the U.S. Well, it's right like all, all companies. I mean, they, they have their, uh, their, their rise and peak, and then all of a sudden competitors start kind of imitating what they do, and then they start kind of trying to find multiple revenue streams. Right, and but Netflix has a cash flow issue, a, a profitability issue, and they if they merchandise much, much more and get more dollars per user, then that problem goes away. That's what I don't mm -hmm. understand. I don't know why they don't focus on that more, especially as competition rises in the U.S. That's the thing that I don't Well, the biggest expenses for all these... Uh, companies now is creating original content. Right. So if you create a piece of original content, and obviously it's not like when you make a movie that it goes into the box office so you see the direct. But if you make, if you're Netflix and you spend uh, whatever, 50 million on a new season of Stranger Things, and you say this 50 million is going to A, retain a bunch of current subscribers and drive whatever, 200 million of new subscriptions. Okay. What if instead of just 200 million of new subscriptions, it also generated a, a billion in merchandise, right. which it could? That's the the money they're missing. Netflix could be could easily, easily double their annual revenue if they nailed merchandising like Disney does. And that's the big opportunity for them mm -hmm. in my eyes. All right. My, um, that's my rant for this okay, week. Okay, yeah, I got it. Um, all right, so... Um, what else do we have? Do you want to talk about uh, some books, maybe? I actually, you know, this year, I'm, I'm, uh, I was just looking right here on the computer to, um, I, I re resuscitated my uh, Kindle. I had a Kindle forever and I was, I loved it. And then I got so busy that then all of a sudden just ignored the Kindle. I mean, I, I have it and every time I was going to use it, it was 
uh, it didn't it wasn't charged whatever I had to charge it then I read a little bit left it but then I started finding some new books that I wanted to read and um, again because I was traveling a lot I didn't want to carry two books or three books or four books with me so I just put them on my Kindle and then depends on what mood I'm, uh, what I feel like reading I would just read one or the other so anyways I was just looking at my Kindle alone and I have some audiobooks also on my phone but uh, I've probably read like 30 plus books this year that's that's pretty decent for me I mean that's about two three books per month so um, not all of them are great. I mean, obviously, some of the books are books that I like, not not top sellers or anything. I hardly ever read, you know, uh, for New York list of bestsellers or anything like that. But uh, I read biographies. Um, I read uh, stories of uh, racing and racers. Um, I read, obviously, I read one that was um, Senna um, against uh, Prost, which is one of the rivalries of the uh uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I already knew the story. I've actually, I think I listened to the audiobook, but then I read the book. Um, I read a few other uh, books in racing stuff. That's just basically what I like. But uh, I've also read a few books that are pretty interesting that I feel like, uh, you know, there are fields that I'm interested in, you know, in business or in life or whatever. One of them is uh, uh, the latest book by, um, I think actually it might be the first book on by uh, David Sinclair, the uh, uh, doctor about what we age, about longevity, and on the science side, um, and that one is a very interesting book. I think we we talked about it in one of the previous uh, podcasts. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, so that's a good book. I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, if you're interested in um, in why humans age and um, longevity, I wouldn't call them hacks, but science behind it compared to, let's say, a jellyfish that could live 150 years, or a whale, or a turtle, or a shark, or whatever. Um, it was very interesting. I actually enjoyed reading the book. Um, and obviously, he's been a guest in a number of podcasts that we listen to, like Rhonda Patrick, or Joe Rogan, or even Tim Ferriss, and all that. So you can search his name, and then you'll see a lot of stuff from him. Um, speaking of cars, I actually read um, Dan Albert's uh, book, which is uh, Are We There Yet? And it has a subtitle, like uh, The History of the American Automobile or something, but it's also very interesting because it starts with, um, obviously, the beginning of the automobiles when the horses replaced, the cars replaced the horses and all that, and then how the industry shaped out from from the, the first cars and the, obviously the Fords and everything until the current um, electric or EV cars and what he thinks about the future and how that's going to work. And we've also discussed a lot how the manufacturers are going into uh, electric cars and, and the industry is moving in that direction aside or away from the fossil fuel traditional combustion engine. So uh, that was a long book, but you are, I don't know if I say a car enthusiast, but just something like a mix of car and history is definitely a good uh, book to read. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, trying to see. I'm reading right now another one that is an older book. It's called Awareness, um, Com- Conversations with the Masters. And this is an older book. I think it was written in the 19, 1970 or something, probably about 50 years ago. And um, it's a little more philosophical, but it's also a good book. It gives you, like, it's, it's actually easy reading because it's little snippets, little chapters of uh, different facets of life in which it tells you how your awareness may make you enjoy each moment or each situation in your life a little better if you just are more aware of your environment in general so it's another good book um i don't know uh what what do you have uh, david any um this year i probably read 
the least amount of books I have in like five years. Really? Um, for good reason, obviously. I've been very busy. It's always one of those things where, uh, you know, I think everybody has this like long checklist of things they want to yeah. accomplish, work, uh, eat, eat right, exercise, spend time with family, yeah. read. I want to get to that too, about the eat right, exercise and all that too. So for me this year, I just said, I always stress myself out like, oh, I'm not reading enough. I want to read more. Uh, so this year I said, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to focus. The point for me, the main reason I read these days is to learn about how I can do better at work. And I say, well, I'm doing better at work. I'm doing well at work. And the reason I'm not reading as much as I used to is because I'm so busy at work. Yeah. So I said, I'm okay. Uh, but the books I did read, uh, the best ones, as far as entertainment value, I think probably a lot of people who are watching this probably have heard of it. The Super Pumped Uber book. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Really, really entertaining. They're making, uh, if you watch the show Billions, the guys who make that, Brian Koppelman and his partner, um, who make billions are going to make a new show about the Uber, basically right. the story of Uber. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. The book is really good. Definitely give it a read. Um, it's both entertaining, but um, and listen, Uber's had its troubles, but it's it is definitely a inspirational story of perseverance. You can say a lot of things about Travis Kalanick, but you can't say that he isn't a, a dog when it comes to competing mm -hmm. and doing whatever it takes to win. Just one second. Speaking of dogs, Shoe Dog is another book that I, I think that was an audio book. Oh, I read that one a few years ago. I know. That was out. an older book. Yeah, you that's told, a great one you, if you, you haven't read it. You told me about that one, that Phil Knight, obviously the founder of uh, Nike. I think that was an audio book for me. But uh, that's another story that I really loved about perseverance. And, yeah, and another great one. Basically going through every single obstacle. In that case, the book has a more happy ending than the Uber one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sorry, I didn't want to, but you just remind me of that book. That was also very good. I'll definitely recommend it. Um, so that was probably the most entertaining. As far as other books I read, um, Loon Shots by Safi Bashal. That one was came out this year. It's pretty popular. That one was really good. Um, I really, really, really like that one. Um, if you're into... Uh, organizational structure and understanding how uh, to create highly functional systems. I know that kind of sounds boring, but he makes it very, very good. Uh, basically, if you're trying to grow a company, read the book. It's very good. Um, other books, one book I really liked that I know most people, I, I bet you absolutely nobody watching this or listening has ever read um, is what's the name of it? It's the probabilistic foundations oh, of, <laughs> of network analysis. Something yeah. it's got a long, boring Don't title. Don't take that book on a date. Uh... The point of the <laughs> book, if you're into understanding, I've been really obsessed this year with understanding networks and the complexity of networks and how things interact and how to uh, use networks to your advantage. And I mean networks in all senses, not just like a social network that we think of these days, but mm -hmm. networks. Um, and actually, the Loonshots book touches on networks, too. In Loonshots, he talks about like forest fires and how uh, basically how we figured out how to fight forest fires because really a tree, a forest is just a network of trees. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, it's interesting. But this book, Safi Bashal's book, Loonshots, is very much a bestseller type book. It's for the masses. This book is highly technical, highly mathematical. I have not, it's not the type of book you just read 
from cover to cover. It's the type of book that you kind of go skim through it, read different passages. But it's written by a professor from Rutgers, Harry Crane. Very, very smart. I recommend it, but... That's not a general population. It's the type, type of book that any you can read it. It's not an easy read. So if you're going to read it, I find it's better to just set out like two hours to sit down, two hours at a time to just sit down, take a lot of notes. But it's really, really good. And it's probably the most informational book I've read this year. Um, so that's a good one. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. But um, I think a lot of people won't read it because it looks – it's. It looks very technical, and it is. It looks very scientific from the from the yes. cover. Because he goes into the math. You know, it's, right. The book is filled with equations, but you don't really need to know the actual equations. Um, it's good to, to see them and kind of work through them. Like, okay, I see what he's doing mm-hmm. here. But it's more the explanation and the understanding of how networks work at a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. The math behind network effects, basically. Yeah, I mean, I have like 30-something books over here on the list. And uh, I actually, to be honest... I don't think there's a book that I started reading and then I said, ah, this is not what I thought. I'm, I don't know if I, I, like some movies you know from the beginning that they're not going to be that good. I mean, oh, every book has peaks and valleys, but I've read them all. And I, The other one that I really liked was Ben Horowitz's new book, What You Do Is Who You Are. Um, huh. That one was really good. If you, because he basically tackles the question of everyone says when you're building a company, how do you build culture? You need to build yeah. a great culture. And he says, you know, when he was a founder, he's like, what does that mean, build a great culture? And he's like, it's not the ping pong tables. It's not the sign you put on the wall. And he basically says, what you do is who you are. Really good. I would give it a read if you're into basically growing a business and setting the culture for the business, setting the expectations. Setting team, right. Yeah. So it's, it's very good. He he breaks down a lot of what people mean when they say build a great culture because that's such a vague term that if you've mm. never built a business before, you're like, what does that mean, build a great culture? Um, so it's a good book for that. That one was really good. But those are the, probably the best books I've read this year. Um, All right, so briefly, um, we mentioned a little bit of um, um, longevity, diet, life, health, lifestyle, and this and that. And, and, and we know, uh, I think both of us, I mean, I, I do a lot of training sports i actually tried this year uh quite a bit of uh cold um plunges and swimming up until i haven't done it the last week or so i think but it was um first week of december when i was basically jumping in the water at uh maybe 55 degrees or 56 or something and uh swimming for a bit i mean it was cold i mean people think that when you do an ice bath or something the water is like 32 degrees but that's not the case i mean what you do is cool down the water to like low 50s that's what you your body can stand and you can only do it for about eight minutes before you start feeling like hypothermia and things like that but you do feel like your body's in shock when you do that like you come out and it's almost like a bulk eraser like like it it erases all your uh whatever your mind just comes to totally refurbished uh i'm fresh no pun intended but uh, anyway so that's one of the things that i started trying and um uh as far as exercise and diet and all that stuff obviously after reading all these um books on uh, life hacks and longevity and, and why we age and all that stuff I and mean, you realize how much the food industry has been um basically saying that's what is convenient for them and not exactly what is healthy for humans you know so when you go to supermarkets it's almost it's almost impossible or very, very difficult to find food that is actually healthy without, and you look at the ingredients and they're not even listed properly or anything. So if you're really health conscious, you need to, as far as what you put into your body, food-wise and nutrition-wise, when you want to perform to the best level, it's, it's a little challenging to 
see how much confusion there is out there as far as what you can eat. You know, like you can buy a power bar thinking, oh, it's a, it's a protein bar. I've, I've been working out. I'm going to build muscle. And then you look at the ingredients and as you pointed out, I mean, it's like full of stuff that is actually not that good, you know. A lot so, of times they have a lot of sugar, uh, high sugar, soy, I mean, yeah. um, just lots of ingredients that you don't need. Right. Um, that I think that we didn't understand. Like I used to have lots of soy protein just because it was like a good alternative, like mm-hmm. a plant-based protein. I was like, oh, yeah. But I didn't realize all of the negative effects on soy, especially if you're a man. You should not be eating a lot of soy because it will have a direct impact on lowering your testosterone, which is obviously, uh, you know, a very important hormone for men Um, because it's basically soy. um, I believe when you eat it, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I believe basically it causes your estrogen levels to rise, which Mm -hmm. is what women have. Um, right. And you don't want a lot of estrogen as a man. But even even just on the sugar side, like if you yeah sugar, like, sugar is like in everything. I don't think people have an idea how much sugar they have yeah. in their diets. All the pre, all the processed foods, packaged foods, and everything. And you look at the distribution content. You say, okay, 30, 30 um, uh, carbohydrates, whatever, thirty grams. You say, oh, that's fine. It's like everything is sugar, basically. It's like even if you try ketchup, has a lot of sugar, and uh, vinaigrette has a lot of sugar. Everything. When you add up and you say, okay, I'm supposed to have like maybe 30, 40 grams of sugar a day or something, it's like, well, you have that just with your first bowl of cereal in the morning, unless you're super careful with that. So uh, orange juice, I mean, it's like, oh, a healthy drink. And then it's like, okay, well, that's basically sugar with a tint of orange, even if they say it's all natural stuff. So, I mean, it's just things that uh, it it disappoints you that we have all these regulations with the uh, uh, FDA and all these standards to approve foods and everything, and then they're so obscure i mean even the labels are not labeled properly you know in the food industry so um that was something that i actually started looking into more as far as um uh nutrition and exercise and other stuff i mean uh, training is always what i do i mean i you guys know i like mountain biking and cutting and racing and all that stuff but um that's part of the equation. The other part is what you put into your body to fuel your body, and you want the best fuel in your body, just like you put the best fuel in your car to perform. And the funniest thing and, that, and that affects a lot. Not funny, but the the example that I learned <clears throat> that kind of shocked me, and that I tell other people uh, when like talking about diet versus exercise, that yes, obviously exercise is very important, but there's a there's a a, a famous case where you had ultra marathon mm-hmm. iron man run yeah. like top 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 shape people and they were all getting diabetes and it's like how did these people in the top shape of their lives all of a sudden get diabetes it's like why well what used to be kind of the famous thing that runners and ultra athletes did first they would carb load before they would race so they would eat like a 2000 calorie meal of pasta and spaghetti and all types of carbs because they knew they would burn that. And then they would also have tons of sugary sports, sports drinks like Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Even this, this tells you how bad the sports drinks are when NBA and all these team NFL, whatever you see on the silence, they're always drinking Gatorade with the cups. Yeah, no, most of the time they're drinking water or something else because oh, the yeah, trainers yeah. Oh, yeah. said, nah, you're not drinking all that sugar. They learned. Right. They don't drink Gatorade they, anymore. They just get paid for the label. Yeah. yeah. Then they, they never drink. But that things. tells you, if the real athletes right. say, uh, I'm not going to have that sugary drink, right. then you probably shouldn't be drinking it either. Because if anybody can get away with drinking the sugar, it's a professional athlete who works yeah. out 10 yeah. hours a day. Yeah, that's not. All right, so let's start wrapping it up. So um, any final thoughts for um, the end of the year, comments, next year, anything? 
Final comments? No, just keep working. That's the That's comment. Good. All right, guys. Well, this is uh, this is it for today. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, let Hope us you know what you think. Watching, if you yeah. actually watched it, you watched us on uh, on video, and um, hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed it. This will be obviously now that we have video, will be on YouTube and everything else, in addition to the traditional podcast channels for the uh, audio version. But um, that's it for today. Um, thank you for listening and watching. And uh, until next time, this is MGR Unplugged. Thank you. Bye-bye.